very good Friday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show here today, we'll bring you feature agricultural news reports, and then we'll check in with national and regional agricultural news headlines as well. And we get started with regional agricultural news right after this. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination. Innovation. Science in action. The California Department of Water Resources has announced decisions for groundwater sustainability plans for 12 critically overdrafted groundwater basins in Central California. These plans provide a roadmap for how groundwater basins will reach long-term sustainability while implementing near-term actions such as expanding monitoring programs, reporting annually on groundwater conditions, implementing groundwater recharge projects, and designing allocation programs. Of the 12, plans for six basins are recommended for approval with recommended corrective actions for the basins to remain in an improved status. The remaining six basins are deemed inadequate and are transitioning from DWR's oversight to the State Water Board for State Intervention under the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Adopted in 2014, SGMA requires local groundwater sustainability agencies in medium and high-priority groundwater basins, which includes 21 critically overdrafted basins to develop and implement GSPs. DWR recommends approval of plans for the following basins. Cuyama Basin in Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Ventura, and Kern Counties. Paso Robles Subbasin in San Luis Obispo County. Eastern San Joaquin Subbasin in San Joaquin County. Merced Subbasin in Merced County, Westside Subbasin in Fresno and Kings Counties, Kings Subbasin in Fresno County. DWR deemed the following basin plans inadequate Chowchilla Subbasin in Madera and Merced Counties, Delta Mendota Subbasin in San Joaquin, Stanislaus, Merced, Fresno, Madera, and San Benito Counties, Cahuilla Basin in Tulare and Kings Counties, Tulare Subbasin in Tulare County, Tulare Lake Subbasin in Kings County, and Kern Subbasin in Kern County. GSAs are required to begin implementing their plans as soon as they are adopted locally, and these activities will continue even if basins are under state intervention. These plans will help local agencies address conditions that negatively impact groundwater within 20 years, such as groundwater overdraft, degraded groundwater quality, land subsidence, and impacts to drinking water well users. The GSAs whose plans are recommended for approval conducted critical analysis of groundwater levels, water quality, and interconnected surface waters to develop and refine sustainable groundwater management criteria. While additional analytical work is needed during implementation, DWR determined that the framework for management was sufficient under the law. The basins deemed inadequate did not appropriately address deficiencies in how GSA structured their sustainable management criteria, provide an operating range for how groundwater levels prevent undesirable effects such as overdraft, 
land subsidence, and groundwater levels that may impact drinking water levels within 20 years. They also did not analyze and justify continued groundwater level declines and land subsidence. Further, the GSPs lacked a clear understanding of how the management criteria may cause undesired effects on groundwater users in the basins or critical infrastructure. In January of 2022, after a technical evaluation, DWR found the plans in these 12 critically overdrafted basins to be incomplete, identifying significant deficiencies that precluded approval. The GSAs had 180 days to correct the deficiencies and revise and submit their plans to DWR for reevaluation consistent with the regulations. The basins with plans recommended for approval will continue to work with DWR and report on their progress in implementing their plans and completing correct corrective actions. And in a response from California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross regarding this announcement by the Department of Water Resources on the groundwater sustainability plan determinations, she says on average, groundwater provides roughly half the water that we use as Californians. So implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act is crucial to achieving future water resilience. The groundwater sustainability plan that was recently released demonstrates the extremely complex issues within critically overdrafted basins and the importance of collaboration to secure a future of reliable groundwater supplies. Though more work is needed to address difficult conditions in some of these sub-basins, important progress is being made in the part of the state facing the biggest challenges of balancing water availability and demand. Agriculture communities and local economies will benefit from California's commitment to sustainable groundwater management as we face a hotter, drier future in a changed climate. Once again, those are comments from the California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross regarding a recent announcement by the Department of Water Resources with their groundwater sustainability plan determinations. And California Walnuts is raising awareness of the health benefits associated with omega-3 alpha-linoleic acid while spotlighting the many ways that the versatility of walnuts can help increase the intake of omega-3 in a diet. Walnuts are the only tree nut that provide an excellent source of the plant-based omega-3 ALA, which research indicates may play a role in heart health, brain health, and healthy aging. A 2022 study published in Advances in Nutrition found that given the accumulating evidence of omega-3 ALA and cardiovascular-related outcomes, food sources high in ALA should be included as part of a heart-healthy dietary pattern. Tremendous rains and snowfalls since late last year have freed half of California from drought, but low groundwater levels remain a persistent problem, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. The latest survey found that moderate or severe drought covers about 49% of the state, and nearly 17% of the state is free of drought or a condition described as abnormally dry. The remainder is still abnormally dry. Clearly, the amount of water that's fallen this year has greatly alleviated the drought, according to Daniel Swain, a climate scientist at the University of California, Los Los Angeles. He says it has not ended the drought completely, but we're in a very different place than we were a year ago. California's latest drought began in 2020 and no relief appeared in sight heading into this winter. Three months ago, virtually all of California was in drought, including extreme and exceptional levels. Water agencies serving millions of people, agriculture and industry were told to expect only a fraction of requested allocations. The turnabout began with a series of atmospheric rivers that pounded the state from late December through mid-January, building a huge Sierra Nevada snowpack causing flooding, toppling trees and smashing the coast with extreme surf. 
Water authorities began boosting allocations, and after a few largely dry weeks, powerful storms with Arctic air returned in February, creating epic vistas of white-capped mountains while shutting down highways and ski resorts and burying communities in enough snow to collapse roofs. The monitor shows three regions have received the most benefit from the precipitation, including snowfall measured in feet rather than in inches. The central Sierra and foothills are now free of drought and abnormal dryness for the first time since January of 2020, according to the drought monitor. The central coast from Monterey Bay to Los Angeles County is also now drought-free, along with two counties on the far north coast. The water content of the Sierra snowpack, which provides about a third of California's water, was at 170% of the historical average on April 1st, when it is normally at its peak, according to the State Departments of Water Resources. Swain said the snowpack could become the largest ever observed in parts of California. The outlook calls for a continuing wet pattern, particularly for northern parts of the state and more feet of snow. The University of California Cooperative Extension recently expanded their team of fire advisors and staff. These individuals are conducting a needs assessment to learn more about the areas of concern Californians have regarding wildfire preparation, safety, and recovery. Allison Deke, the fire advisor for Fresno, Madeira, and Mariposa counties, explains more about the content of the survey and its purpose. So this survey is serving as a needs assessment. All new extension advisors are required to conduct a needs assessment within their first year on the job. So myself and some colleagues that are also new fire advisors in this position, in addition to Ryan Tompkins, who is a a forestry advisor, uh, he started a couple years ago and he did a needs assessment then he wanted to follow up with some of his uh, county. So he's using that this survey as a way to do that. The purpose is really for us just to understand the needs of communities throughout California. Uh, each of us are county based um, and we, we work to serve the needs of the local community. So we want to understand what fire related needs our communities have and how we can um, provide education, uh, engagement workshops um, and other extension activities that that meet the needs and help people feel more prepared to to mitigate and deal with the impacts of wildfire. So uh, the survey asks um, several questions, but many of these are on topics such as gaps within existing educational programming and resources, challenges community members are facing in addressing wildfire risk, empowerment of communities to make property management decisions and prepare for wildfire, and acceptability of prescribed fire and other fuels treatments. Um, And going back, I just wanna mention that uh, as I mentioned, we are county-based extension advisors, but we decided to do a, a larger statewide survey uh, in both English and Spanish because we thought it was an opportunity to learn about the, the needs of the Californians in general. And there really isn't any research, uh, at least recently, that we know about that has um, investigated this. So we thought it would be an opportunity, since we were all collaborating anyways, to, to get a wider look at what's going on and what concerns Californians have and um, how this defers across, uh, geographically Um, across the state. While the survey is open to all Californians, the team is also specifically targeting a variety of natural resource and fire professionals. So we're specifically targeting Californians 18 years or greater that that speak fluently in English or Spanish. Um, And we are also targeting natural resources and fire professionals. So that would include ranching communities, agricultural communities, um, and to understand uh, how they are uh, working with 
the communities that they work with um, to to address wildfire risk and preparedness and post-fire restoration, uh, wildfire suppression operations, things like that. We were really interested in learning about what work's already being done because we want to complement the work already being done rather than, you know, try to reinvent the wheel on our own. Um, we also are, are really interested in collaborating with other other professionals in this space. So learning about what professionals are actively working here uh, can help us uh, identify other part, potential partners and um, build upon and collaborate with them to, to expand the impact of their work. This survey will provide the research team with valuable insight into what Californians want and need in regard to wildfire resources. So we will be using the results from this survey to determine what kind of education and engagement and workshops and different extension activities we want to be doing within our own communities. Um, and then as we work through with partners, you know, sharing this as a way to act as kind of a platform upon which we can we can move forward and actually be doing impactful activities and doing and putting together workshops and different extension activities that actually benefit the communities that we serve rather than doing things that we think are important, but the community might not think is important. Um, we also uh, think that there's a lot of opportunity with the survey because we are we are surveying across the entire state to uh, inform different research activities, um, to help uh, inform local policymakers and things like that when they're trying to make decisions because they all want to know about what what Californians and their and their constituents uh, care about most, um, and then just learn about where those gaps are. You know what where where do we need to be thinking um, where, do, where do we need to be working with communities to help them understand um, how they can feel more prepared and be empowered to actually deal with the effects of fire. If you are interested in taking the survey, it is open until the end of March. Deke tells us more about how to access it. The survey is available online at https uh, colon backslash backslash bit.ly backslash ucce underscore fire underscore survey. We're um, entering everybody that takes this survey into um, an opportunity to win one of 50 $20 Visa gift cards uh, for participating. So if people are interested in, in taking the survey, there, there's a little added benefit to that. We did have an end date of February 28th, but we will be extending that till March 31st for those so we can get as many people to participate as possible. This is Kylie Harlan reporting for My Ag Life. In National Agricultural News, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced Eltonia Davis as its first Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Davis will lead USDA in its ongoing efforts to improve diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, and will oversee the implementation of USDA's first-ever DEIA strategic plan. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says Davis has demonstrated a strong commitment to hiring and developing a workforce that reflects the rich and diverse tapestry of America. Davis will work closely with executive leaders, employees, and staff experts to advance and sustain committed leadership and employee engagement for a high-performing and innovative USDA workforce. Davis joins USDA after serving in the Food and Drug Administration's Office of Regulatory Affairs. Establishing the first-ever Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer role has been a top priority for Secretary Vilsack and Deputy Secretary Jewel Brona, who is stepping down from the department. Brona was the first black woman and woman of color to serve as Deputy Secretary at USDA. 
The Association of Equipment Manufacturers has announced policy recommendations for future rulemakings impacting emissions or future engine technologies. The organization released a position paper entitled Clean Air and Low Emissions Through Next-Gen Non-Road Equipment. The paper also details the position of AEM and its members that future regulations should support a reasonable transition to cleaner equipment. AEM Vice President of Construction and Utility John Summers says the association and its members want to leverage their considerable experience and expertise to inform regulatory efforts happening both now and in the future. Engine emissions regulations are among the most important and impactful requirements placed on the non-road equipment sector, affecting everything from performance to research and development to design, safety, and cost. The position paper and its recommendations are available at AEM.org. New consumer polls are showing increasing concerns about rising food prices. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. Right along with rising food prices. Consumer worries are continuing to rise. Andy Herrig with the Food Industry Association. His group does a lot of consumer polls, the latest one done the second week of February. And Herrig told USDA's recent Outlook Forum. 48% of respondents to this poll told us they are extremely concerned about increases in food prices. And that's up, again, from 40% in October. So that's a pretty significant increase. There's also an increase in the number of consumers worried they won't have the money for their basic food needs. Some of this is the end of federal aid, so people have less money. You're starting to see people driving up credit card debt. Personal savings are going down. But this is concerning for us as an industry that people are feeling these pressures. Again, it's not just that they're paying more, but they're actually worried about if they're going to be able to afford food. Meanwhile, food prices continue to rise, and Harrig says... We think it's going to take a while for these prices to moderate. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. A House Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the U.S. and China held their first hearing called the Chinese Communist Party's Threat to America. Representative Dan Newhouse says China is one of the most significant markets for ag products, but their tariffs and non-tariff trade barriers are difficult. Bottom line is China does not play by the global rules on trade. But the Washington State Republican says they also have a disturbing practice going on here. Entities associated with the PRC as well as the CCP have made and continue to make investments in U.S. agricultural land and assets. Some of the proposed purchases are in close proximity to national security assets. During the hearing, Newhouse asked former representative and former national security advisor H.R. McMaster to chime in. How concerned are you by the CCP-backed purchases of American agricultural land and those potential purchases near strategic sites such as military installations or critical infrastructure. I'm very concerned about that, about the purchase of lands and buildings next to sensitive sites. It's extraordinary the degree to which the Chinese Communist Party has pursued a massive campaign of espionage. That's one facet of it. McMaster told Newhouse he was very concerned about several land and building purchases near sensitive sites. I describe in in my written testimony the three C's of co-option, coercion, and concealment. Co-opt by trying to build dependencies from U.S. agriculture on the Chinese market. And then, hey, once you're in, then to use that for coercive purposes. The commercial aspect of this is often tied to the United Front Work Department, an arm of the Ministry of State Security, which forms organizations that look innocuous, that promote U.S.-China dialogue and and economic discourse in the area of agriculture, in, in particular in the American heartland. The hearing provided an overview of how the relationship between the U.S. and 
People's Republic of China became a threat to our security economy and values. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.